0: Hello out there and welcome to the Fantasy World Order Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am Pat Donovan and joining me tonight, the Dark Lord himself, (laughs) Nick Ligatino is back on the podcast. What's going on, Nick?
1: Oh man, I am just floating on air today. I got to speak with Nate Carnes earlier. We found him after a long hiatus. He has finally signed with an MLB club. Things are good.
0: Yeah, you guys became best friends today.
1: Yeah, we talk, spoke on Twitter. It was it was truly uh, one of the best days of my life.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, baseball Twitter was awoken.
1: I felt like it was the
0: um, the California Way episode of South Park when the news guys get a fax. Yeah. It's like, oh, a move, a move, move. Yeah. But it wasn't. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't Nate Karns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> JT Realmuto got traded to Philadelphia. Uh, what do you make of that move, Nick? What do What do you think that does for his outlook?
1: Oh, it's, it's huge. Um, he's going to be in a prime spot in that lineup. That lineup is absolutely stacked. Um, you know, I still do think that is going to be the landing spot for uh, for Bryce, honestly. Um, and if that happens, forget about it. I mean, it's, it's up there, top three best lineups in baseball. And Real Moodle has been producing on some pretty bad lineups. So he's going to be great in that ballpark. He's going to hit for more pop. He's got the speed. I'm a fan. I'm a big fan of this spot.
0: Yeah, I'm a big fan too. Um, you know, when I talked about Real Mudo with Jape, I, I kind of – I didn't really see much of a way for him to improve his stock all that much because I, I was looking at it through the lens of he's he's going to go to a better situation, but I, I think he's going to end up hitting lower in of. Taking a look at how Philadelphia is currently constructed, and even if you plug in Bryce, I think he's a pretty good bet to hit in the middle of the lineup as opposed to the back end. And obviously the park is a big upgrade. So I'm not as concerned about the volume as I would be if he ended up in like Houston per se. Mm-hmm. Um, where I would think that he would hit closer to the back of the lineup. Here I think I, I don't see a way that he probably hits lower than fifth. Um so I, I think he's in good shape to get plenty of volume in a good lineup. Um, and I think the power ceiling goes up. I, I think he goes from like at the high end, like a 20-ish Homer guy to probably about mid-20s. Hmm. And, and he, he's definitely closer to Gary than he was. I think I still have Gary ahead of him. But yesterday it wasn't close. And today it's like they're definitely within five picks of each other in terms of how I would rank them. As, uh, I don't know if you had Real Muto in front of Gary to begin with, or, or, or has he lapped him?
1: Or uh, No, I had, I had Gary in front of Real Muto, and this moved the needle that much that I, now I have Real Muto in front of Gary.
0: Okay, all right. Okay, so tonight's our Bold Prediction show, um, one of the funnest shows of the year, and I'm actually going to kick it off. All the ADPs that I mentioned tonight are going to be NFBC ADPs um, from January 1st forward. So my first Bold Prediction... I'm going to start with the deep track. Forgotten man, Steven Sousa Jr., 336.41, rebounds in his second season in the desert as a Diamondback, as the cleanup hitter. Sousa launches 33 bombs, steals 20 bags. Whoa. Hitting a respectable 260 with a 370 OBP and becomes one of the premier trade chips at the deadline. Oh, and- so let me tell you a little bit about my thought process in identifying Sousa as, as a really what is a, a significant breakout candidate. Obviously, last year was a lost year. I'm tossing it out. It was injuries right from the very start. He never really got healthy or really had an opportunity to get going. Um, the year before in Tampa, he had 30 bombs, 16 steals. He hit 239. Great year. It looks like a career year at this point. But if you dig in a little deeper, it could have been a lot closer to my bold prediction. Susie got hurt in July and was never the same afterwards. But through July, 426 plate appearances, 22 homers, 8 of 10 on stolen bases, 269, 372, 508. Rest of the season, the batting average completely tanked because of 211 Babbitt. I think he had to change his swing due to the injury. So I think, I think that might have screwed him up there. Um, But if you look at the three months to start the year, you can really see what he's capable of. And Pollock and Goldschmidt are gone. I think the Diamondbacks are going to let guys run pretty aggressively. Susan was highly efficient even last year, six of seven. We know the hard contact is there. The power is there. It's a 44% hard contact rate. He's always been a plus BABIP guy throughout his major league career and had pretty good walk rates to offset what is a high 20s K rate he just needs health and I think the homers are going to come and he's a huge value in my mind for
1: basically free. So you said how many home runs? 33 yep. and 20 20 bags. And how what's the batting average? 260. Oh, all right. So that might be the hardest thing for him to reach is the 260 average. Um but yeah, no, listen, I've always been a Suzies fan, so a Suza fan. Um but so I'm not going to completely disagree with you. Obviously, that is a really bold prediction because uh 30 I told 20. you I was coming in hot. I, I like it. I thought you were gonna come in. You, you you told me before you have one that I'm gonna hate. I was hoping that you were gonna come in with that one, but
0: no, 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 I'm saving that one for later.
1: Alright, this one I like. Um, so I mean listen, thirty, twenty, two, sixty. that's like a top 10 outfielder. Um so that's it's very bold, and I like it. Um I do believe in Suiza's power and speed. I, I would have to completely disagree with you on the um the batting average, though. The key rate's a little too high. I just think it's going to be – it'll take a lot of luck um, and a really high BABIP in order for him to even get close to, I think, 250. I think he's more of a 240-ish hitter. But still, um, like my actual projections for um, Sousa this year, I have him down for 25-12 and a 235 average, which is still really good for where he's going. Um, So I'm I'm glad that you brought him up just so that we could spotlight him. um, But I do think you're a little too bold on that prediction.
0: Well, yeah, the name of the show is Bald Prediction. There's Prediction.
1: I <laughs> respect it. But, Since... yeah, no,
0: I agree with you. I mean, you know, like a median projection on Suze is probably something along the lines of what you said. Um, but I do think that there is a little bit more to the batting average than 235, given the fact that he's – the strikeout rate's high, but it's not – it's not, like, across that
1: 30% threshold, you know? So, hmm. I mean,
0: you're, you're talking about 27%, 28 29%. Well, well...
1: – that's the thing. 28's the magic number. And, like, if you're hovering around 28, it's really hard to hit over 250. Like, like, to t- like over, like, 260. But
0: if, he's, but if he's a guy, he's a career 315 BABIP guy, and that incorporates some of his really early time in Tampa when he really was probably not ready um, or, or, yeah. was, or was trying to adjust the major league pitching. I and mean, since he's adjusted, I mean, he's sported – pretty good line drive rates in each season. So I, the, the thing, the thing about that is, is, is I think there's going to be enough BABIP juice there to carry the K rate to like a two forty five level. level. Um, you know, obviously this is like his top end outcome, but mm-hmm. I, I do think it is possible and he's going to be hitting in the middle of that lineup. So the run production should be good as well. You know, he's, he's the perfect guy to hit in between Peralta and lamb. And split those guys in the lineup, those two lefties. So I, I think he's gonna end up hitting three or four. And I think you're gonna see a lot of run production. I think it's really a matter of
1: health. What's the ADP on him? He's free. Three three hundred and Oh, 41. man. If that's not a good last pick of the draft, I don't know what is. Yes.
0: He's a he's a, absolutely that's exactly what I had in mind when it came to him. Your last pick and you, you're you're looking for some juice. I think this is your guy.
1: Yeah. Like, even though he's been in the league for, you know, since, what, 2014, 2015? 2015, like, we, I think. I, I still don't think we've seen – well, we saw his upside that the one big year, uh, 2017, where he had, like, 30 uh, – 16. 30, 16. Yeah, that was, like, a really good year. But uh, he's capable of doing that again. It's just a matter of staying healthy as well. That's another issue with him is staying on the field.
0: Well, that's just it. I mean, even in that year, he got hurt. So, I mean, it was – he, he didn't miss time, but he was playing hurt, and it affected him. Yeah. So we haven't seen Souza for a full season yet, you know, completely healthy, and we may never see it. But if we do see it, I think it could be an absolute monster year.
1: All right, I'm with you. I like it. Ready okay. to go for me? Right. Yep. Go so since you came in hot, I gotta, I gotta, I just flipped the pages. I'm like, you know what? I was gonna start with this one. Nah, I, I gotta, I gotta reciprocate here. All right. So, Robinson Cano will finish as a top five second baseman this year. Top five. That's hot? <laughs> top five? <laughs> top five? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, go ahead. T- tell me about it. I, I don't pretty- disagree. I do not disagree. I
1: um, mean, he's at an ADP of 127, Pat. You're talking about, you know, the top five. You're looking at, Um, you know, Baez, Albies, Gleiber, Altuve. Like, there's some really good second baseman up there. So, I, I don't think it's pretty bold, No.
0: Yeah, but it's not quite Steven Souza going 30 20.
1: <laughs> all right, I have another one here. All right, whatever. no, no, come yes. on, come on. Right, we fine. have to we have to
0: talk about Cano a little bit.
1: <sighs> all right, so listen. Bottom line is this: um, 127 beautiful ADP for Cano, especially when you look at second base. There's a lot of question marks. Even the guys I just mentioned that are top five Baez, Albie's, Gliber, they're all question marks. Look, I'm a Yankee fan, and I like Gliber Torres. He's got a great hit tool, and I think he's a, got a super safe floor, but. It's still just his second year. Albies, same deal. It's still just his second year. They're still acclimating. Baez, last year, we all agree it was a bit on the lucky side or a lot on the lucky side. Um, So there are some question marks in that top five. And if you skip to, you know, 50 picks, 60 picks later in Cano, you've got a guy who has been so consistent and not consistent as far as, like, his numbers because the numbers aren't consistent. He's been consistently good. Um, so like, what I mean by that is like, he, he's not always a power hitter. He's not always a high average hitter. It's kind of been like high, high home runs, decent batting average. Then the next year, higher batting average, lower home runs and and so on and so forth. Um, he's keeping in, in mind that he's been unhappy in Seattle year after year. You hear reports <laughs> that, that he, he wants to be out of Seattle now. The happy
0: bat- and sad Robinson Cano. I
1: remember we talked about this before. Hey, listen. He sad. Listen, he's coming back to the place where he was MVP caliber year after year. After year, And he's coming back to it, come, going to a team who is now a contender. Um, listen, last year was kind of a fluky injury. Well, it was a fluky injury. He broke his hand. You um, have to get him hit by a pitch. Uh, but up until he got hit by a pitch. I don't pitch, think he
0: got hurt. He was suspended. He broke a bone in his hand last year.
1: Are you sure about that? I'm pretty sure he got suspended for PEDs. Let me just double-check, but I'm almost like positive. Yeah. Yeah, he fractured a bone in his hand on May 13th. Hmm. Last year. Then maybe he got suspended. Okay, go ahead. I'm, I'm going to have to look that up. Maybe it was a double win. Maybe it was just a really bad year for all together altogether. Um, but listen, bottom line is – um. He's coming off last year where, again, he paced out for 20 home runs and finished with the 303 average. Um, he's got a career 304 hitter. Um, I think he brings to the Mets, uh, you know, something that they really need, which is a guy who can really get on base. And they may ask him to, f- to swing for more power, like, given that lineup. You've got a lot of guys who can get on base but not much power. Cano could be that guy. And he's a guy who in the past has switched his swing up year in, year out. Uh, we, we talked about on pa- on on um, podcasts in the past on how his launch angle went up and down year to year. Um, and I think it was to fit the team. You know, it was like uh, when Nelson Cruz got there, he shortened his swing to get on base more ahead of him. Um, and, and I think he's a guy who is such a good um, – has such a good batted ball profile, he can do that. And I think in, coming to the Mets now, he's going to do a little bit of both. Like my projections for him this year are 28 home runs um, – 290 average, and 190 combined runs in RBIs. Like, I think he's going to be absolutely sick. Um, I I think he comes back fully healthy. Like you said, uh, there might have been some PEDs involved last year. Um, But did you pull that up yet, by the way?
0: Yes, yes, we're both right. He broke his hand and he was suspended.
1: (laughs) So, bad year for Godot altogether last year. Um, But, yeah, I think he's going to absolutely kill it in, uh, in New York. And he's getting a Met discount. And he shouldn't because the Mets lineup is really good. Um, I think people are sleeping big time on Peter Alonso. He's going to add a lot to that, to that lineup. And one through six, it's really strong. So I, I'm all over Cano. If you, if you don't take a second baseman to like the ninth, tenth round, y- you're sitting pretty. He's got such a safe floor.
0: Yeah, I, I've talked about Cano a couple of times this offseason, and I'm on board with you. I like the, I like the, the value in him. And I really like what he brings because it's the kind of skill set that's kind of undervalued right now, which it really shouldn't be. Um, so I mean, if you looked at Cano's season last year, it was basically half. It was, I think, it was exactly 81 games. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, there's always danger in in just doubling the numbers. But just for argument's sake, if you double the numbers, he's he was a 20 homer guy with 170 runs plus RBIs, and he was a 300 hitter. Um, the only players that crossed that threshold were Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, Christian Yelich, um, and, and I think Anthony Rendon got there as well. Wait, wait,
1: which which threshold? As far as what?
0: It was twenty homers, eighty five, eighty five, and I think two ninety five. Oh wow, okay, that's a good. So,
1: that's a so good it set. was.
0: It was not. It was not a skill set in terms of you know carrying the production all across that number of categories. Um, that was it wasn't achieved by many players. Um, and he's sort of boring because people see like, all right, fine. He's going to hit low twenties pop. He's going to score some runs. He's going to drop some guys in. He's going to hit for a good average, but he's not going to give me any the speed, but he's exactly the type of guy that you should be pairing with um, your, your high risk speedsters. Your Alberto Mondesi if you want to go that route, your Jonathan VRs if you want to go that route. Um, D Gordon is another one. Um, because if, cause Cano is going to give you the batting average that VR probably isn't going to give you, that um, Alberto Mondesi isn't going to give you, and I'm going to talk about him in a couple of minutes. And then if you combine those assets together, Cano's batting average raises the batting average floor for those guys, and you end up with like two, you know, 20, um, you know, I want to say 15, 25 assets that are going to hit like 275 if you split the difference between the two players. And, and I think that's very useful. So, I mean, I do think he's a little underrated. I do expect him to hit second or third in that lineup score, a bunch of runs. Like you said, the lineup is a little, is a little underrated right now. I think, I think Michael Forto's in for a big year. I think we're both Brandon Nimmo fans. You've mentioned, um, Peter Alonso already, you know, that I like him as well. Uh, Lowry's there. He gets on base a ton. He's really changed his game up. So yeah, I, I, I do like this pick. I do like the I do like the value in Cano with where he's going.
1: And uh, and one one quick fun fact about Cano: last season he had the fifth highest exit velo in the entire league, and the highest of his career.
0: Oh, that that goes without saying. I mean, he has still hit the ball hard.
1: Yeah, but like the fifth highest in baseball, yeah. and the highest of his career. Um, yeah, but, but, I just, I, but
0: I just mean like there's no there's no signs of of actual decline here. This no. is this is a guy that you know you mentioned the injury, and as I mentioned, he got suspended for 80 games, and the and the injury isn't something that was it, c- it could have happened to any hitter in baseball. He got hit by a pitch, so I mean it's not it's not a soft tissue injury. It's not a knee injury. It's on shoulder. It's not blah blah blah. It's nothing that should have any kind of lingering effect.
1: It's the um... As far as uh, dimensions, um, City Field versus, uh, what is, is it an upgrade, downgrade, or pretty much the same? It's pretty it's much about, the same. It's about neutral. Yeah, okay.
0: So, you know, there's not really much of a change there. But hey, his happiness factor is up.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so I mentioned Alberto Mondesi. I'm going to go back there now. Um, my second bull prediction Alberto Mondesi is one of the biggest busts of the season. As he struggles to make contact and the balls in play do not go his way. Hitting close to 200 as we enter June with a surging K rate of over 30%. Mondesi, despite all of his prognosticators, is sent down. So, Mondesi is probably the most polarizing player in fantasy baseball this year. Um, At 43 0.25 in terms of adp with a wow. minimum pick of 21 wow i, I can't is. get on board with that and and for the most part it's just about the failure to acknowledge the downside that i just boldly predicted um mondesi could find his way to a zero outcome that many of his supporters simply ignore um you know they make the case that there's nobody else there they're gonna let mondesi play and if he plays he's gonna run Sure, but if Mondesi is hitting 200 in June with a 30% K rate, which is completely within the realm of possibility considering the amount he swings and misses, the lack of contact he makes, the fact that he doesn't walk, why would KC expose a struggling young player that's an important part of their future to that sort of struggle? Especially when they can keep the service time down. And all you have to do is go back one year to look at the Byron Buxton situation where Buxton was hurt, and he was struggling, and everyone was saying, all right, well, he's going to come back, he's going to come back, he's going to come back, and they never, came, never brought him back up, not even in September, because of the service time. So I, I think there is a zero outcome here. Um, he's got the 18.2% swinging strike rate, 67% contact rate. That's scary. Javier Baez, to me, is the exception, not the rule. I I don't think that this is the sort of profile that you really want to chase, especially at that kind of cost, especially when you're looking at like a 70 game sample of really, really good baseball. And even when he made his hay in, in August and September, the contact rate was actually down. The 22% Homer to fly ball rate was significantly above any rate in his sample. Yes. He's young and adding power. But that surge seems more like noise than the reality to me. And, yeah, he's extremely fast. And, yes, he can hit the ball hard. But you're passing on Anthony Rendon, Chris Davis, Cody Bellinger to take this guy. I can't do that.
1: Okay. So let me answer this. Um, Because people are obviously in love with this guy. Because people, for some reason, are in love with speed. I don't know why... You don't know why. We don't know why people are obsessed. Well, with I know steel. why
0: because they because they see that speed has gone down and they they don't think it's going to be available. And a lot of but that's the false. experts and a lot. It, well, it's right now it's stagnant year over year, but it's still at a lower level than it's been historically. And and a lot of the expert community plays roto where they're concerned about winning overall titles and, and whatnot. And they feel as though they need to have the speed. Whereas, you know, in your average league, you, you probably don't need to finish in the top three in steals to win your league.
1: Okay. So, so let me ask you this question. Um, because I I really like Manizzi. Uh I like him because. Um, well, if Anthony... you
0: recall, I liked him last year. I said it last year before the season started, that this was a guy that you needed to keep your eye on because the opportunity
1: was going to be there and he could run. But, I mean, last year he performed well. Like, the counting stats were there. Fourteen thirty-two is really good in 291 play appearances. Like, that's yes. crazy. So, I mean, even if, if the average does get to, let's just say – I think 200 is a little low, honestly. He's not, he's not, he doesn't have that bad of a batted ball profile. He's not Billy Hamilton. Um, he's not Keon Broxton. Um, well,
0: he's not far from Keon Broxton.
1: Yeah, and, that, and that's, this is what I have written down. So my question to you is, coming up, who did you like more? Just out of curiosity, Broxton or Mondesi? Mondesi. You like Mondesi better? Okay. Because I know you like Broxton a lot. Um, but, but with Mondesi... But I think Broxton is the cautionary tale here. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I don't think it's that bad. Just, I mean, the, 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 K wasn't that bad Pat 26.5 is not that bad. Um, I think the walk rate will go up a little bit. Um, you know, 3.8 is a little low for where he's been throughout his minor league career. And this brief, uh, major league, you know, 2017 appearances that he made. So that should go up, I think till, till about five, 5.5%. 5. That'll raise his OBP that could, um, you know, bump up his stolen base numbers. I like them. I don't like the ADP though. I'm with you on the ADP. I definitely you, you. mentioned those guys, and there are a lot more guys. Chris Davis. If you you a minus over Chris Davis, with a K? what okay? What are you nuts? Um, <laughs> you taking him over Rendon? These guys who who have been doing it for a long time. Joey Votto even who's going 30 picks later. I mean, and I can't even picture myself taking a, this kid over a guy like Joey Votto. But I do like the skill set, and I kind of disagree with you. The the, the Royals. He, he's played enough through double A AA and triple A where, and he's come up and gone down where I don't know if they want to keep doing that with this kid at this point. Um, the team is not good. There's no one chomping at the bit. I, I just think that he's, he's going to get the playing time just like Billy Hamilton is. They're going to run wild. And you know, if, if you're drafting him for 40 plus steals, I think you're going to get what you're paying for. And you're going to get 10 plus pop easy with your eyes closed. So if you could sacrifice the average, it's really based on team comp. If you took a guy like Vado, if you took a guy like Freddie Freeman or one of these whoever, if you take Miggy later, which would be a nice guy to take later, I think Montes is a good addition to your team. So I, I kind of like the kid.
0: I don't – I don't I, – I just want to make it clear. I, it's not that I don't think he has talent. I just think that there is a zero outcome here that's just not being acknowledged at all. And with respect to what you were saying, you know, it is it is a guy that you're going to have to sort of pair with an average source, you know. Like, and we even talked about Cano. You know, like Cano is a perfect example of it. If you don't want to pay up for it, but you're gonna have to balance out some of that average risk. And you know, you said it, Nick. Oh, I'm fine. There's nobody there. There's nobody there. <laughs> But was there anybody there for Minnesota last year?
1: No, but Buxton's struggles were, dude. You can't you can't compare him and Buxton. What do you
0: mean I can't compare them? I can of course. When has
1: Buxton ever come close to having 300 at bats with a 26 and a half? Oh, I don't know.
0: Didn't he? Didn't he have an outrageous September a couple of years ago where he hit 11 homers? But that's one month.
1: This is half a season. The kid played half a season. It's two
0: months. It's two months now. And Buxton had a season where he closed and he had two good months. And everybody was saying, ah, here it comes. Next year he's going to have three good months and he's going to be worth picking in the top 50. Well, this kid's already inside the top 50. So, I mean, to me, it's just it, – like, you... We're just playing the same movie over <laughs> and over again.
1: Do you, do you have Buxton in your Boba Addictions? No, I do not. All right. Do you have any thoughts on the fact that he added 21 pounds this offseason? I think that he's going to
0: end up inside the top 150 again come March. And I'm just going to be like, I'm going to be like Bill Murray on Groundhog Day. I'm just going to be sitting there in my bed being like, why is this happening again?
1: Yeah. But, 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 but it is, that's a big transformation. Like you're going from 6'2, 190 to like, Six two two twenty. like, I, I just can't wait to see the kid. I haven't seen pictures yet, but 21 pounds is a lot of friggin' weight. Anyway.
0: I mean, yeah, I'm interested to see him, too. And, you know, and this year, even if you put him at, like, inside 150, this is the best price on Buxton that we've had. Like, uh, like without question, this year is the year that I have been like, hmm, maybe I could buy in but I just know come March, he's going to be about 30 some odd picks higher because of what you just said. People are going to see him. He's going to be yoked out of his mind. He's going to kill some triple a pitching and he's just going to shoot up draft boards. And that's going to be the end. It's already started to
1: happen. Hey, no one did it with Aaron Hicks last year, except for me.
0: Yeah. But Aaron Hicks wasn't the best prospect in baseball seven years ago. (laughs) People don't still grasp onto that for everything that it's worth. Yeah. Um, like they do with Buxton.
1: All right, so go ahead. Give us, give us your second one. All right, let's see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a fun one. I'm going to do a fun one. This is not a, a top going to be a top 10 or going to be a this, that. This is just a fun one. Ronetto Dorr, after this year coming up, will officially be the new mystery box. He will take the nickname of the mystery box. Um, and the reason why I'm saying this is because it is so hard to predict his 2019 I don't know if you had the same problem that I did, but it, it looks so sexy. It looks so good what he did in the second half last year. And then you look at the previous years of, you know, the guy went 30-15 two years in a row and hit for good average. Uh, you can't take that away from him. We hated on him a lot because of his batted ball profile, but the walk rate jumped last year. The and, he's like, and he's like 10 years old. I know. He's still just 25. So, like – and we said, it, I know we, we said it on previous pods, although we were hard on him, we said, like, he's making adjustments while he's in the bigs. The Rangers are keeping him up, and he's making adjustments while he's in the bigs. So we're seeing him grow in front of us. Um, I don't know. I, like, last year he went 18-12, 253 average, right? Now, although the stats aren't as good as 2017-2016, like, on the front – if you dive in, he made some real games. Um, he became more patient at the plate. He's swinging at less wild pitches. He's like really progressing into someone that I think could eventually be like a really good uh, fantasy asset. I think that my, my, my point is I think he has a Javier Baez S 2018 up his sleeve. I think it's, I think it's in the realm of possibility, but I also think it's in the realm of possibility that he has a Jonathan Scoop twenty eighteen up his sleeve, hence why I think he could take the name of the mystery box. But this year, I have him projected for thirty home runs, fourteen steals, and a two hundred and fifty average. So he's very bad. He Actually, at his ADP, which is one twenty eight, so I like him a lot. New mystery box.
0: Yeah, you are really digging in the second base, huh? Um, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I guess I did too with
0: Mondesi, but um, with. Uh with respect to Odor, it's you're right. I mean, he's sort of been all over the map, super young still, and and kind of growing on the fly. And I, and I do like the changes I've seen and I would be more prone to buy in, but there's one issue that really leaps out to me. And that's the fact that he had 12 steals last year, but he was a 50% runner. He was twelve of twenty four I uh,
1: i that that kind of stat doesn't really change my view on the solo base levels going forward at all
0: well let me let me ex- let me just explain why um and you know I mean you can obviously counter it. I'm sure you know what I'm going to say, but it's it's just the simple fact that I'm worried that Texas just says enough and doesn't let him run anymore um because he's the type of guy that's going to need double digit steals to kind of pick him up because I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that's going to hit 300. Um, You know, I I see a path to him hitting, becoming a regular 270 hitter, 265, 270 type with 25 bombs. But then when you're at that level, you really need 8 to 12 steals to kind of make the profile um, you know, a little bit sexier and, and a little bit more valuable. And I just worry that they're going to say enough with him running because he's never been a good runner.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think that the, uh, the speed sticks, um, you know, last year he, he still paced out for 15 plus, And in the previous two years, he was right at 15 and 14 the year before. Um, so I think he keeps stealing bases. The Rangers offense need got guy, needs guys to advance. There's not many good offensive players on that team. So I think he continues to run. And I think there is upside. The sprint speed is actually still pretty good. Um, I know he got caught a lot, but base stealing, he's still just twenty-five, and it's something that he could work on in the off season, or, or could improve as as it as it goes forward. And there's also you know there's also some circumstances where, it, who knows. Who he got caught running on in those games, and it, it, the re, the reason why I don't pay attention to that stack, because to me it's circumstantial. It's it's who's pitching, how fast is delivery, who's catching, how good is the arm. Um, so I kind of don't look the, look at that. I look more at uh, sprint speed and and the player as much as I can. I've seen. I, I think he is um, a good base to be double digit and turn in like very Justin Upton esque years where he's going to be like. Thirty, twelve, 30, thirteen, thirty-two, 13, like every year, he'll be around that mark. The batting average is what um, I think is the mystery box. Where I think this year, if he keeps the gains that he made last year, as far as patience and and carry, he he could bat. He could really bat two seventy.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think he could.
1: So he's. he's um, but the he's one really thing.
0: You, but the one thing that you left out of that analysis in terms of stolen bases is that's all well and good. That's how you think about it. But what about what the manager and the team thinks about it? So like, it's not just about him and his speed and his ability to run and his willingness to run. It's about whether the team is willing to let him to continue to run, which is where I find the problem. Now, like you said, they're not, they're not a competitive team this year. So maybe they don't care, but
1: it is a concern for me. In a vacuum, clean slate, clean canvas. Who would you rather have, him or Cano? Uh, Cano. Hmm. Okay. They're, all, they're separated by like three ADP. Um, for me, it's a toss-up, but I'd probably go Cano. I think Cano's going to have a very, very, very good year this year.
0: I agree. I think so, too. All right. Let's move to my third one. My love, Matt Olsen. <laughs> oh it's good a shocker. on his outrageous batted ball profile and joins teammate Chris Davis in the 40-home run club while hitting a career-high 270, exceeding Chris Davis in value, and turning in a top 30 season. Olson going off the board at 108.67, made noticeable gains in strikeout rate, supported by discipline that indicates the K rate may have been a little inflated, Contact percentage was up, swing and strike rate down 2%. He made gains on chase rate, a healthy line drive rate at 21%. Elite hard contact at 47%. That says to me that the BABIP gains were real and could tick even higher. And then when you look at that hard contact rate, you combine it with the fly ball profile.
1: Which is what? Which, what's the hard contact?
0: 47%. Oh, hello. And I've said this many times when it comes to Olsen and Nick This is something that you always harp on. It's the eye test. Yeah, This is a 35 homer bat. Last year, I think, was the floor, not the middle ground. I know that he came up and had that ridiculous stretch, which goes back to Mondesi. Olsen had a two-month stretch where he hit 21 bombs, and everyone was saying, he's going to regress, he's going to regress, he's going to regress. Well, they were right. Obviously, he wasn't going to hit 60 homers in the season. But... I think that that upper twenties level is his floor. I think he's. I have him penciled in. My my baseline projection for him is thirty five, but I, I do believe that there is a ridiculous season in there where he goes forty plus and is one of the better first baseman in fantasy baseball.
1: Yeah, I I could not agree more. I was going to have him put him in my goal predictions tonight, but I skipped them because I have Matt Chapman. We'll we'll get into him next, but. Um I yeah Ch- Olsen is a monster. I mean he's 6'5 230. He's got insane bat speed. He's fifth in the league in exit velo. Uh, he, he had a 475 foot home run last year. It was ridiculous. I, I love him. Um the A's are going to hit more home runs I think than anyone in baseball. I really do. I think Chapman, um Chris Davis and Olsen will combine for something like 120 home runs plus. Because um, I like Chapman as well for 40 home runs uh, next year, um, but I completely agree. The, the kid is a beast, and he he knows how to take a walk. He doesn't strike out much, and he, he's progressed. I, I just sky's the limit. I, I think he could. I think he could hit lead the league in home runs one day.
0: Yeah, I think so too.
1: So I'll segue right into Matt Chapman. Um, so I have written here very similar to what you said, Matt Chapman will return Chris Davis value and finish as a top 50 overall player. Um, So pretty similar to what you said uh, and pretty similar to Olsen in general, except I think he has a little bit less of a – I think Olsen has a better head tool. But um, a 93-mile-per-hour exit velo, 15-degree launch angle, 43% hard contact. Um, The average will come down a little bit from what it was last year, um, I think. uh, But I still think it will be respectable. And I'm projecting him for 42 home runs, 190 combined runs in RBIs, five steals and a 250 average, which is right around where, which is, which is, which is right where Chris Davis's numbers will be. Um, But Chris Davis is going like 40th overall or something like that. I don't have the number in front of me, but this is 60 picks later. Olsen, what was Olsen's ADP?
0: 108.67.
1: Yeah. So they're separated by a pick. Um, And rightfully so. I think they're extremely, extremely, extremely similar. Um, so, yeah, Matt Chapman's going to be awesome.
0: Yeah, I remember talking about Chapman earlier in the offseason with Joe, and I think we were looking at the too early mock ADP, and, and I think he was in the '70s at that point, and we were a little uneasy about it at that point, but looking at it now, where he's going, right around 110, it, it's, it's a really nice price. Um, and I've and I've come up on him the more that I've dug in. Um, you may recall that that I was pretty high on him going into the season last year, yeah. Um, because he closed very strongly, and I and I thought the the way he closed in the prior season was going to carry over, and it did. Um, you know, I think he needs a little bit, just a little bit of a tweak in his launch angle to get to that power level you're talking about. But it's not it's not something that's far away at all. And this is a hitter that's already shown that he knows how to adapt and adjust his approach. And, you know, I I think further adjustments could come. Um, I think that if you do see a little bit of a change in the launch, angle, I do think the average comes down a little bit. Um, But if you're talking the difference between 25 homers and 35 to 40 homers for 20 points of batting average, I think you take that. But um, yeah, I, I, I like the price on Chapman. I agree. I, I really want as much of that Oakland trio as I can get because I think there's going to be a lot of run production there.
1: Yeah. Big I'm,
0: time. I'm really I'm really into into that trifecta of players. Um, you know, Davis is expensive, but Davis is money in the bank. Uh, you know what he's going to do. Yep. These two are guys that I expect, even though they're sort of trendy. To return value at their current price because I, I frankly have them, you know, some thirty to forty spots ahead of where they're going in drafts.
1: Hey Pat, you know what? You know what? We you know what Chapman's got too. No, take a guess. Come on, what, what, what would I say about a guy like Chapman that he has it? Sneaky speed. Oh, sneaky speed. Yeah, yeah, he's he a guy, pretty quick. Yeah, he's a guy that I think could um uh, turn into kind of like a Goldschmidt-esque type player uh, where you know he's a, he's a really good OBP guy. Last year was 356. I think that's only going to get better. Um, and I would not be shocked to see him steal 10 bases uh, next year at all.
0: Yeah, I think he's fast enough to do it. I just don't know that Oakland is that interested in having him run. Yeah,
1: might so right. I, don't think that, I don't know
0: that they're really interested in having anybody run, um, which... This is a perfect segue into my next one which is Jurickson ProFar hmm interesting ProFar settling in towards the back of the Oakland lineup power does not translate
1: the volume
0: huh. is simply not there for him to run much and he finishes outside the top 200
1: which what's the ADP
0: now Oh, Jesus.
1: Wow, he's going high. Okay.
0: Versatility is always nice. And depending on your format, Profar may be able to put put all the infield positions aside from catcher. But this is an expensive price, and you can find versatility elsewhere for much cheaper. On the production front, Profar did some nice things. Swing strike rate supports the K rate around 15%. He had a substantial increase in hard contact, up 11% to 37%. He stayed healthy and was 10 for 10 on the bases. A good chunk of his production came in the second half, 270, 845 OPS, backed by a 44.6% hard contact rate, and 11 of his 20 homers came during that stretch. I think the hot finish combined with his pedigree as the top prospect in the game at one time is the explanation for the price, uh, plus visions of Profar hitting towards the top of what is a great lineup, uh, but that's hardly certain the power is likely to play down in oakland as is the batting average so a 2010 repeat might be all you can expect power speed wise i feel more comfortable projecting him down the spectrum like a 17 8 sort of season combined with the 260 average that's just not special to me it's also costing you the draft it's also costing you the opportunity to draft presumed yankee leadoff hitter and nicks favorite player aaron hicks or a solid pitcher right before the floor bottoms out and Charlie Morton, Joey Wendell, Chris Taylor, Kettle Marte, Wilmer Flores, all present opportunities to provide similar value with versatility and are going much, much later.
1: So who do you, who do you like in a vacuum, him or Hicks? You get a pick. Oh, Hicks. Absolutely. Interesting. Okay. Um, So... I mean, look, he, he made gains. So what was, your, what was your bold prediction with, with Profar? What was the actual prediction? Outside the top 200. Okay. So I, I do disagree with that because he's – the batable profile is really nice. I know you looked at it and you can't disagree with that.
0: No, he definitely made some hard contact gains. But in half a season sample, it could be, um, you know, just getting hot and being hot for a sustained
1: stretch. Yeah. But to, to, but to, to finish a season with under a 15% K rate and close to a 10% walk rate is, is really, really solid for, you know, a 25 year old kid. Yeah. You know,
0: standard five by five, the OBP doesn't play. So it really comes down to the
1: batting average. Okay. Um, As far as the power goes, I don't think it's, I don't think it's real. Um, what I mean is I don't think there's an upside of him getting to like 25 home runs uh, in his career. He's, he doesn't have the bad speed. He doesn't have the launch angle unless he makes a swing change. I don't see it happening. And I don't see why he would do that because right now he's progressing into a pretty good batted ball type of player, which is what the A's picked him up for um, to get on base at that one spot and to score runs for Chris Davis, Olsen, Chapman, and whoever else is batting behind him. Um, so, I like him. Like I haven't projected for 15 home runs, nine steals, and a two fifty average, which is extremely boring. But he he could score a lot of runs this year. Um, you know, he scored 82 on on the Rangers last year with a pretty much a depleted offense. Uh, this year, we just spoke about all the friggin' RBIs that could be had in Oakland. It's ridiculous. There's, those guys are going to all have 100 plus RBIs um so he could score close to 100 or maybe even eclipse that 100 muck which would put him in elite territory but the rest of the stats just don't it it just doesn't add up to what his adp is so i don't know i don't know what people are hoping for i don't know what people are projecting him for at this adp but like pat said you look at a guy like aaron hicks who who has either paced out or put up 30 home runs, 15 steals, a crazy OBP, and it's playing for the Yankees. I don't know how you could take Profar over Hicks ever. Uh, that's that, and that's non-biased, even though I love Hicks. But there's a lot of guys going around that spot. Nelson Cruz. I mean, Nelson Cruz is going behind. How are you taking profile over Nelson Cruz? Oh, I don't know. Nelson Cruz, Cruz is like Cruz another... is giving you cr- Cruz is giving you 20 to 30 more points in batting average. He's giving you 20 to 25 more home runs, and 30 more RBIs. Uh, that makes no sense. So whatever you're chasing, whatever your dreams are about being that guy who could say, "Oh, I, I'm the one who took profile. Just stop being an idiot. Pay attention.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, like like you've said though, I mean the I think the hope is that he repeats the power and speed and he's hitting lead off for the ace the whole season.
1: Okay, but even if he does go 20-10 and scores, give him 95 score, runs. He would
0: score over a hundred if he, yeah. If, if, if
1: he's if he's
0: you know if, if the on base skills hold and whatnot, yeah, there is there is the run upside there to carry him to return value
1: and even profit, especially God, considering the why? versatility. Why would you not put Piscotty at the leadoff spot? But that's
0: my point. This is my point, right? So so you turned around and you said fifteen nine two fifty, and I said seventeen eight two sixty. That might not be enough
1: for him to hold that leadoff spot if he's even going to get it. Yeah. And when Laureano – is a good OBP guy. When Laureano comes up – I don't know if he's going to start the year on the team, but when he does come up, he's – his bad ball skills skills are going to transfer really well to the MLB, and he's going to have a good OBP, and him or Piscotti – like, I would automatically put Piscotti in the one spot because it's Italian cookies, but Loriano <laughs> is, a bet, I think, already a better skilled hitter than, than Profar.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I, think they're, I think they're comparable, but I've got more hope that Laureano finds a, a bit more upside than Profar has at this point. So, I mean, I think I would roll Laureano out there. They also ran Nick Martini out there, and Nick Martini's not special. But he's a guy that's going yeah. like to get on base at like a he's going to get on base at like a clip.
1: Yeah, so he's they got a little just, bit of Jesse Winker in him.
0: They might just roll Martini against righties and Loriano against lefties, and then Profar's got to go into the two hole. But then there's no guarantee they don't roll Chapman at the two, et cetera, et cetera, so on and so forth. So I mean, it, there's no there's no guarantee he's hitting leadoff. And he's being priced as though he's, he's going to lead off and hold that position.
1: Yeah, but just play Sky, okay? Come on. I, I Tell agree. him. <laughs> Tell him that. I agree. Um, all right. So from and Probar, let's see if I could segue into someone similar. Um... No, no one here is similar to Pro Four. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go – you know what? I'm going to go weak here. I'm going to go with a weak, my weakest uh, bowl prediction, I, I think. All right. Um,
0: Guys, feel free to, you know, go make yourself some popcorn yeah, or a sandwich.
1: Make... <laughs> yeah. Check um, out for
0: the next five minutes.
1: Adam Adovino is this year's Josh Hader. Um, that's pretty bold. Was not Adam
0: Adovino Josh Hader last year?
1: No, not at all. Um, Josh Hader's K to K per nine was like 16 or something crazy like that. And he sported like a two ERA. Like, how could you compare Adovino and Hader from last year? Uh,
0: I don't know. I need to look up Adovino stats. Yeah. You can't. I believe
1: believe that Adovino was
0: completely Uh, dominant as well. No, he
1: was. He also fell into a really bad rough patch. I'll, I'll pull it up right now. I'm curious too, but I know that, um, Hater was on the Hater was on the planet. Yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So, so Aravino struggled with um, his walks, and who does not struggle with walks in Coors? Nobody. Even guys with good control. So now he finds himself in New York. Not a great ballpark, but it's not Coors, which is the worst ballpark. Um, Aravino's going to get a lot of play. So I think the first thing people think of when they think about the Yankees bullpen is it's so loaded. How much play is he going to get? Well, here's the thing: the Yankees do not play their pitches, pitchers over like the sixth inning ever, even if they're throwing a great game. Um, that's just the way we are. So, aravino will get his play. The stuff is really good. The cutter is the cutter is generating over a twenty percent width. Um, the sinker is unhittable. Last year, he had a one fifty eight batting average against, and he's got at the at the wipeout slider. So, I, I just think that. As far as all those numbers, yeah, they're great and dandy. But, like, anyone who's watched Aravino Pitch, he's – I don't want to say – you know what? I'm going to say it. He probably has the filthiest breaking stuff in baseball. Um, And I would put it, like, in the same realm as, like, Cardic Caps, like that stupid wiffle ball movement that he – you can't compare it. Um, So I think that he is going to have an absolute monster year. I think we're going, to see, we're going to see the K per nine go from 13, to which is already impressive, up to like 13 and a half, 14. And I think we're going to see the walk rate come down a little bit as well. Um, so, yeah, Adovino should definitely be drafted higher than 305.
0: Okay. I, I totally agree. I, I do think that Adovino is going to be a useful middle guy. Um, stuff is filthy. The Yankees always seem to bring their relievers up a level. Um, and I'm not terribly worried about the volume either. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm on board with that. Plus, Adavino a local kid. I think he's returning home, so um, I imagine that'll also add a little extra motivation for him um, to do well. And plus, he's moving to a spot where teams haven't seen him before. So, and if you haven't seen that slide, are you just you really don't <laughs> you're have in trouble. Chance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna do my first pitching one since you since you broke out Vino. Despite losing Charlie Morton, Dallas Keuchel, presumably, and Lance McCullers, the Astros have four starters finished inside the top 35 in fantasy baseball. So now you've got your obvious ones. You've got your Justin Verlander and your Garrett Cole. So this is about Colin McHugh and Josh James. So Josh James is the starting pitcher 54. Um, as a starter in Major League Baseball, he threw three games, 235 ERA, 11.15 K per nine, 3.17K to walk, and a matching XFIP and FIP of 3.75. The Miners last year, 114 innings pitched, 3.23 ERA, 1.12 whip, 13.5K per nine, and a 3.44K to walk. Those are impressive numbers, and it was impressive that he was able to maintain it, even in a brief stint at the major league level. Small sample at the Major League level, but 14.3% swing strike rate. More soft contact than hard contact, which I really like. You're pairing swings and misses with good batted ball data. Fastball was averaging 96 to 97 in September. So at the end of the year, he was still pumping gas. Among qualifiers, Severino, Cole, Fulte, and DeGrom were the pitchers that were in that area in terms of their fastball velocity. It was a plus pitch overall but slightly below average as a starter because he did have some relief pitch relief appearances and he threw it about 55 to 60% of the time. Um, he threw about 135 innings last year. He's 25. So I think an in innings cutoff might be around one hundred and eighty If there is one at all,
1: which um, is fine.
0: That's perfectly fine. You would take that. He's carried the swing and miss stuff throughout his minor league breakout into the majors. I worry a little bit about the fastball. I think it's a little hit a a little straight, the plus, ve- plus velo will make up for it, but it's not Zach Wheeler's fastball, for instance. The secondary stuff, the slider grades out higher in terms of um, how prospects have seen it, but the change was better, and his primary secondary pitch at the big league level. Still, it's a nice sign that he trusts his two uh, breaking pitches and off-speed pitches. Um, but even with the question marks on command of the secondary stuff and a somewhat hittable fastball, I still think he's a high threes ERA guy with a plus K rate and upside beyond it. The Astros seem inclined to give him the opportunity. So I I do like James quite a bit. And then McHugh has been a really solid visually pitcher since he arrived in Houston. Last year's relief work aside, as a starter, a 3.7 ERA, 8.4K per nine, 3.4K to walk, 1.25 whip with matching peripherals. Each year, the swing strike rate was over 10% and as high as 12%. If you look at what starting pitchers ended up as top 40 arms, you will see that's about where McHugh 2014 to 2017 would end up between top 30 and top 40. And that's just who he was. Now, if you look at his work from last year, 72 and one third innings, 11.7 K per nine, 1.99 ERA in the bullpen. It was dominant. Certainly the stuff played up in shorter appearances. The fastball was up two ticks to 92, but bear with me here. McHugh has thrown approximately 150 innings over the last two years because um, his 2017 was abbreviated by injury. Let's say that gives his arm a little more juice, and he's more 91 than 90 in terms of his fastball. When he was throwing 91 in 2014, he was a 2.73 ERA pitcher with 3.11 peripherals with a K per 9 of 9.14. I'm not saying he's going to replicate that level of success, but there's easily a path here to a 3.5 ERA season or better, and if he's a 3-3 three, three to 3-5 three, ERA arm with an 8.5 to 9 K per 9, he's in the Zach Wheeler to David Price full season territory from last year. That's a top 30 arm. He's going off the board as starting pitcher 69.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you at all on either either of these guys because, you know, I said I said it last year a hundred times, the Astros are – masters getting the best they absolutely can out of every single pitcher on that staff. You look what they did with Brad Peacock, Colin McHugh, uh, you name it. Garrett Cole. um, Everybody excels on that team. Every single person. Um, So, uh, yeah, I'm in complete agreement. I have Josh James on every single mock that I do. I feel like that's going to be a guy that me, you, and probably Joey will be fighting for on draft day. He'll probably go a lot higher than his ADP. But I have no issue with that because – he's so safe as far as the K's go. Like, he's going to generate whiffs because the changeup is just ridiculous. And if he throws a slider more, which I hope he does, that's also a really good pitch um, to go with a really high-velocity, you know, with a, with a, with a high-velocity uh, fastball. So he's Do you got,
0: agree with me on the fastball? It might be a little hittable,
1: though. Uh, it is. I mean, he doesn't generate much swing and miss on it, but it, it, the bottom line is, if that's his primary pitch and if he's hitting close to triple digits with it, and then it comes back and hits you with the filth of that change and slider. It's just, it's a setup pitch. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's, that's a good thing. It's, it doesn't have to be his, his, his Josh Hader fastball. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm completely in on James. Um, I have him way higher than his ADP and, and I couldn't be more, more, more on him than I possibly am. As far as Colin McHugh, he's obviously made games, Uh and He's made him out of the pen. Um, you know, it, it, will it translate into the starting rotation? I, I think you're spot on with what you said. You said three and a half ERA. Yeah. I think it could be a little north of that, like three, seven, maybe even three, nine. But you know what? If he carries over even close to a 10 K per nine with good ratios, cause I don't walk anyone. He never did. Um, he's still going to be really valuable, especially what's his ADP.
0: Uh, he's starting pitcher 69. I don't have the, ADP number. So
1: ADP probably like I'm guessing if he's 69 probably like 270.
0: That's probably about right.
1: Okay, so that's, <laughs> I mean, how could you not? How could you not? Uh, I think the value is good on on, on him as well. I, I definitely am buying Josh Sheen a lot more than McHugh, um, but I, I like both pitchers as well. I'm with you. All right, my next guy. Let's see. Should we stick with pitching? Nah, let's go to hitting. Let's switch it up a little bit. Um let's go with my guy this year. My God, I'm so obsessed with him. Andrew McCutcheon. Andrew McCutcheon will finish as a top ten overall outfielder.
0: Wow. See that's hot.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I you know, I'm I'm like obsessed with Andrew McCutcheon. Like he has come into my life and completely taken over. And it's just I don't do anything <laughs> but Andrew McCutcheon and on the Phillies, and I just I can't get over it. It's the upside is it's insanity. So I've always been a McCutcheon guy. Um, back when he was, you know, MVP caliber, he was our type of player. Just an amazing batted ball profile, really good average. Got on base like, like Joey Votto-esque, 400-plus OBP. Um, and then he started to decline a little bit in some numbers, and he's made changes. And he's such a good player. The changes are working. So what he's become now, in my opinion, is a – What he's going to be is a power hitter in Philly with – I think the the average is going to come up. The stolen bases have been back-to-back-to-back double digits or more. So he's moving from one of the worst ballparks in baseball to one of the best. He's moving from probably the worst offense in baseball to one of the best. He's stolen double-digit bags nine out of ten years that he's been in the league. He's hit 20-plus home runs eight out of eight years in a row. He's a career 287 hitter. Um, Last year, he had his lowest swinging strike rate of his career, but he had his highest hard hit percentage of his career. So he is making changes still at age 32. And he's making it at the right time because this could not be a better situation for McCutcheon right now. If if Bryce Hopper signs there, forget it. Then... I don't know what's going to happen to his ADP. I, I, I hope it doesn't move that much. But the fact that it's still right now at 147 is insane because if you round up your outfield with McCutcheon, you're going to just – you're going to be just loving him all year long. I have him projected for 32 home runs, Whoa. <laughs> 15 stolen bases, 280 average, and really good runs in RBI totals. <laughs> Um, I know you, I think the last, last year before last, saw the, the power potential come about in McCutcheon. Um, but it obviously, it's just not going to play well in, in, in San Francisco. Who's, who's, who hits 30 home runs in San Fran? Who has Barry hit? Bonds. Barry Bonds. <laughs> <in San Francisco? laughs> <laughs> like, you know, tonight, I was going to do research to see who the last person to hit 30-plus was. Um, and, I, and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to dive into the archives of the San Francisco Giants. I'm I'll leave it alone and and guess that it was Bonds. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, I think McCutcheon is going to change his game up and become, like, I think it's going to be insane this year. Like, insane.
0: Well, we know it's not Brandon Belt.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not. <laughs> yeah, we do know that. Um, we know his stats by heart. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, I, I, I like McCutcheon a lot. I'm, I'm not, you know, your bold prediction is certainly bold. Um, I've got him for like 25, 12, 275. See, all right, now
1: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt you. Okay. So 2017, he 28 home runs. Last yeah. year, you said you saw this power upside and he went to San Fran. So, how are you, why are you coming down the home runs now from what they were in 2017?
0: Because I think 2017 was more of a ceiling than a...
1: Well, all right. So then you go to 2016, 24, and the year before that, 23. So, um, and that was in the Pirates. I, I, I don't know. And with with the swing changes that you've seen, you don't think he's got like more than what you're projecting him for?
0: I mean, I'm projecting him for 25. So I think the ceiling is like 30. Okay. Um, which is why I'm acknowledging the fact that your outcome while top line is within the range. Yeah, I mean, we have to see how he plays in that ballpark. I mean, certainly it, it, it's an excellent ballpark for power. It's certainly a lineup that's looking very enticing with the addition of Real Muto and the potential of adding a Machado or a Harper there. So, I mean, run production should be there. He's going to steal double digit bases. I love the price on him. I think he's a fantastic buy. I think that the batting average is going to come up too because I think, you know, some of his long fly balls that didn't leave the yard in San Francisco are going to leave the yard in Philly. Um, but the question is, is it going to be fourteen more? Or is it going to be seven or eight more?
1: As far wait, seven or eight more, what? Homers. Okay.
0: And and in my opinion, I I I feel more comfortable projecting him for twenty five than I would thirty. All right, so- but, I, but I completely agree with you that this is, a, this is a major value. And he's still a major value, which I don't understand. I expected him to like go way up, Me like, too. close to the top 100 when he signed in Philadelphia. And the market has had enough time to digest this, and they're still not boosting him up. Like a player that got traded in Yasiel Puig yeah. that's gone up 30, 40 spots since he was traded, the market's digested that and done what it's going to do with it. It's the same thing with McCutcheon, and McCutcheon is still a value.
1: So, if you have him twenty-five home runs, how many stolen bases? 12, 12 steals, yep. and I have him hitting two seventy-five. All right, yeah. So that's <laughs> that's a really good return at one forty-seven. Yes, absolutely. Like, like 100%. that is like the perfect third outfielder on your team, even even second. But to round out your outfield with McCutcheon is you'd be sitting pretty.
0: Yeah, and and I mean that goes without saying that you also get the boost in the OBP formats or OPS formats because he you knows how to take a walk.
1: So wait, if 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 the season starts tomorrow, um, is he batting third or second? Well,
0: a, a lot of a, uh, there's been a lot of speculation about this lineup, and every single time I've seen it, people have Cesar Hernandez hitting last, and I don't think that that's makes right. no sense. Yeah, I think Cesar Hernandez is going to hit first. I think Gene Segura is going to hit second. Yep. I mean, personally, I would say Bryce Harper is going to hit third because I expect him to sign there. If he doesn't. If he doesn't, I feel like they almost need to go out and find a lefty. They're very righty-heavy. Um, I think McCutcheon would hit third. Then and then Hoskins, Hoskins and then Real Yeah.
1: Okay. So,
0: but that's a yeah. very righty-heavy lineup.
1: They I mean, really he, need the lefty. Hmm.
0: I mean, Hernandez is the only guy in that top five that we just named that's
1: that can hit lefty, and that's because he's a switch hitter. I mean, I listen, I and I know, like, Hernandez is, like, the forgotten guy on this team. Like, he always has been. Oh, he my always, God, the value
0: on him right yeah, now. Yeah, he,
1: he, he always has been, and he, and he always will be. And it's just because, I guess, you know, the home runs and stolen bases are boring, but the OBP is just sexy. The average is always good. He's gonna score runs. Um, I... I He's
0: what people want pro Profar to be.
1: I don't know as far as power, though. But it's
0: just the other way around.
1: Yeah. Like oh, speed, yeah, that makes sense. It's the speed is the inverse of the power, or the mm-hmm. reverse. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see McCutcheon hit leadoff on this team to start the year. He, he like, you go McCutcheon, well, well, then, then Segura. Cesar,
0: then Cesar's hitting in the back of the lineup, I think.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's listen. It's going to make a big difference as far as his counting numbers because I think what you where you want McCutcheon to be is two or three, because then he'll get all the runs and all the RBIs. Um, but if Caesar is batting, let's just say he's batting eighth, then it's not so bad if McCutcheon is batting Leo, because then he'll get some RBIs because Caesar gets on base at such a high clip. You know, he'll be batting behind McCutcheon. With mm-hmm. um, with Herrera who's you know not too shabby. It's at eight or seven. Um, the lineup is loaded. It's one of those things that, of course, it matters, but it doesn't really matter that much. So either way, either way, McCutcheon is safe. Either way.
0: Okay, I'm going to move it to my next one. Uh, I've got
1: Yoan Mankata.
0: The forgotten top prospect breaks out on Chicago's south side. Mankata adjusts and trims his strikeout rate a few points while keeping both the power and the plus BABIP skill he's shown turning into a 25 homer, 20 steal, 265, 345, 470 slash campaign, while scoring over 90 runs at the top of the lineup and finishing inside the top 50 players.
1: Tell me about the K rate.
0: So, okay, yeah, I will. So the thing about Mancado right now is he's got the ability to recognize good pitches, right? Like he knows how to take a walk. The O swing is sub 30%. In fact, it's sub 25%. It's down at 23.3%. So he knows what a good and a bad pitch looks like. It's just a matter of making contact. And I I think he will make more contact and trim that strikeout rate. And I think the first step to him trimming it is he needs to stop taking the first pitch all the time. He's got a 61.2% first strike rate. I think the book on him is that he's taking the first pitch and He's getting behind and he's maybe even being a little too patient. If he gets a little more aggressive, I think that that's going to be the key to unlocking this. I I do expect the contact to tick up. This is a, this is a guy that was always going to have some swing and misses profile, but he was also going to progress as he went. This is another player that's extremely young and that has the pedigree. Um, So I think the adjustments are going to come. He makes enough hard contact. There's no issue with the batted ball profile from power or average perspective. Is he going to improve against lefties? Yes, I expect him to. Okay. Well, what is his what is his split against lefties? I mean, like he was have it in front of me. Yeah, he
1: was terrible. Like he he batted two hundred and nine against lefties uh, last year on the as a whole. So, you know, in righties he batted two forty four.
0: See, I would be more concerned because correct me if I'm wrong. He's a right-handed hitter. Yeah. So I would be more concerned if it was the other way around, obviously, on the one hand, because there are more righties than lefties. But on, on, on the second hand, I'd be more concerned about it if he was struggling against his um, – if he was struggling against the – if he are struggling against righties, I would be more concerned because there's more of a reason for him to improve against lefties. Um, you know, obviously he's going to see the ball longer coming out of the hand against lefties. He's going to be more exposed to them as he goes, um, you know, as he gets the experience that, that he's gotten thus far, this is, this is uh, as much about the fact that this player has had a significant time in the major league level. And I think he's going to improve. He's got the athleticism to run. He's got ample hard contact. Um, the 11.7% home to fly ball rate was the second lowest of his professional career Chicago was a nice power park. I think the lineup is going to be improved from a year ago. So the run production is going to go up a tick. Um, and this is also a bet on scouting and pedigree. So, I mean, you know, some of it's not in the numbers right now. It's just, I think that Mancata is at um, a point where the price on him is, is very good. And which is what, what's the ADP? The ADP is one sixty seven point two two.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that is good.
0: So, It's around the time of the draft where taking a chance is a good thing. And this is a guy that's got power, speed, on base skills. It's just a matter of him. And he's got the ability to recognize good pitches. We know that. It's just a matter of him being able to do more with those good pitches. And I think he will.
1: Yeah, and he's got – and you know, just by saying he has speed is underselling it. He's got a lot of speed. kid is friggin' fast. Um, In a full year, I think he could easily steal 30-plus – and he says the power to hit twenty plus, so um you know I like him as well, but obviously the k rate is a big red flag i mean th- it wasn't just one year of thirty three point four percent k rate the year before as well it was it was thirty two so you know it got worse um you know progressively uh, I, I, but like you said he, he he's he he's what is he twenty three years old yep. and he's he's at a ten point three percent walk rate walk rate, which is Really nice. So, I don't know. Listen, if the K-rate comes down to 30 or under, which we keep – which I always say is a magic number, um, then we could have something special in Moncada. Regardless, he's still going to be – he's still going to get at bats, and he's still going to be, like, a twenty twenty guy. It's just a matter of you could deal with the average. And what did you project the average to be? I had him up around 260. Oh, wow. All right, yeah. So, I have him at, like, 245. Um, 260 would be – if he hits if he hits two sixty, he's gonna he's gonna be insane. Um and another you know, thing I worry about if he comes out if he comes out of the gate struggling, um, you know, with Eloy coming up, I don't know if Eloy's gonna start the year in the bigs, but I wonder if he gets bumped because you do have a pretty good one through four. Um
0: Yeah, but even then you can only bump him so far,
1: right? Yeah, like
0: But but, but he's but, gotta be the five hitter then.
1: Yeah, but he'll beat five behind a mediocre Offense. Although I I love Eloy, um, but Alonso, Abreu, and I don't know. Maybe you throw Palka at the four. But I, I, I'm with it. I, listen, I like him. I'm just looking at the negatives, but I, I agree. I think he's no. And, and
0: I and I totally acknowledge there are real negatives here, and it would be a lot better if we had seen some growth from him last year. But that's why the price is at a level where you can buy him and sort of cash on the upside. If he had went out and had, you know, 45 great days to close the year, he'd be going 45 picks higher.
1: Yeah. And then I would
0: have no interest in him.
1: And if he has a really good spring training and he's in a shoot up, you know, ADPs, he's that, you know,
0: that kind of guy. So, because
1: yeah, because he's got the pedigree. Yep.
0: Okay, give us your next guy, Nick, if
1: you've got one. All right, next guy. Let's do... Do you want to go with him? No. I'm gonna. You know what? I'm going to go with this guy. I'm excited about this guy. Let's talk about Kikuchi. Ooh. So, yeah, Kikuchi. Um, I have to say, the Fantasy World Order, we've been good at calling guys out. I think we've been good at finding guys, but one thing we've been very, very good at is the international guys who we like coming into the Bigs and who we don't like coming into the Bigs. Um, I think we've been pretty spot on over the last couple of years with that. As far as Kikuchi, he is a guy that I really like coming into the Bigs. Um, So, just some quick things about him for those who haven't watched footage or know about his stuff. Um, He throws a 95-plus fastball, he's in a really good slider. He's had a good curve, and he's had a show me change, which we'll see if that develops into an actual pitch. But he's had a good he has got three good pitches. Um, I like this stuff a lot. I watched him a lot. I watched a lot of footage, and I was very impressed. Um, Fangraph po- FanGraphs posted an article comping him to Mikolas and Nada, um, who both both pitched in the same league, and um, Kikuchi actually had the better overall uh, advanced. If you look at all three, uh, look, look at those graphs that are posted on FanGraphs. Um I would recommend that you go watch some YouTube videos, though, because the writing and the stats don't do it justice. Uh The slider, to me, looks really, really nice. And when you pair it with that fastball, he's going to get guys out. He's going to get a lot of swing and miss. And I have him projected as a top 30 pitcher. Kikuchi. Wow. There's a bold prediction for you. ADP, yeah. of, ADP of 180. He's going to finish as a top 30 pitcher. We've seen it over and over again. These guys that come from this league, I think it's the NPP league, they come over and have instant success for some reason. I don't know why it's been translating so well, but it has. Um, You know, Maida, Mikolas, Hyunjin Ryu, who, yeah, he's been in and out due to injury, but when he's on, he's on. Um, And Kikuchi is one of those guys, except the only difference is Kikuchi throws 95 plus. So he's got that real swing and miss in his repertoire. Um, he doesn't have the command that Nikolas has, but he has good command. Um, so I really like him. I think he's going to have somewhere around like a nine um, K per nine. Um, I think he's gonna, uh, not he's not going to walk a lot of guys, and have, I think he's going to have a respectable ERA because he's in a good, good in a good ballpark. So I like him a lot, and I have him the one the one eighty ADP is phenomenal. I have him ranked way higher than.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that has some potential to shoot up if he's very good in spring training. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm not on your level. Um, I, I, I like the fact that he's got that plus slider, and and this is one of those guys. Listen, I, I say it all the time with, with these types. Um, you know, I said it last year with Nicholas, and, and I said it um, with Thames a couple of years ago when he came back over. When you have these players that are coming over and, and they, ha- they there is no book on them, they usually get out to pretty quick starts. And then you should deal them. Well, did Mikolas fall apart last year? He didn't fall apart, but he wasn't as good.
1: But mate has been pretty consistent.
0: I'm not saying that they're going to fall apart completely, Nick. My point is is that if they if they come over and if Kikuchi is throwing 2-5 ERA ball through May. Flip him. Flip him.
1: Yeah, I agree. And that's, that's,
0: that's my one cautionary tale when it comes to these guys. Don't fall, don't fall completely head over heels for them. If he starts that hot, you should try and, and get rid of him because the league hasn't adjusted to him yet. Yeah, and then And then there's always the possibility he adjusts back. But I, I don't think that he's going to be an ace-level
1: pitcher. Is, well, is what I'm
0: getting at. Well,
1: for for some reason, last year, Mikolas, even though he came out red hot and was had like a one-point-something ERA in like May, it was he was insane. For some reason, his value still wasn't that high. Like, he wasn't getting traded. People weren't buying it for some Well, that's reason. because of the K rate. Okay, yeah, all right.
0: I mean, because he doesn't strike anybody out. So everybody was like, he's going to regress, he's going to regress, he's going to regress. If Kikuchi's paying a guy for any... You're not going to have that problem.
1: Yeah. Okay, next.
0: I'm going to rip your heart out. No
1: oh boy. If it's Aaron Hicks, we're gonna, I'm if it's Aaron Hicks, I'm hanging up.
0: It's not Aaron Hicks.
1: Okay. If it's Scooter Jeanette, I'm, I get it. It's not Scooter Jeanette. Okay. Who is
0: it? So a year after I expressed how much I love this next player. Oh no. And we all did. I predict that J hap <gasps> finishes outside. The top 70 starting pitchers.
1: Goodbye, ladies and gentlemen. It's been fun. (laughs) FWO. I'm out. Go ahead.
0: Listen, after years of being underdrafted, Hop finally finds himself up the board as the 36th overall starting pitcher. I do not like that price. Hop was solid last year, continuing to pump 92 to 93 from the left side and relying mostly on that fastball, throwing his – four seam and his sinker a combined 73.5% of the time at 36 you have to wonder how long that velocity can keep up now hap isn't successful strictly because of the velocity he's also known to be a guy that has a high spin fastball but you wonder how much a decrease in velocity would affect him in two months with the yankees last year the results were strong 2.69 era but the peripherals were in excess of four The strikeout and walk numbers were in the ballpark of where he was. But the homer for nine surged to 1.41. And in total on the year, he was 1.37. So with that figure during his time at the Yankees, that 1.41 homer for nine, he had a strand rate close to 90%. Those two things do not mix. So you've got age concerns. You've got ballpark concerns. And is there more that he can give you beyond what he gave you last year? Probably not. I see a lack of ceiling at this price. And there's a path to a pretty severe floor that we haven't seen over the last few years. So I'm out on half.
1: Wow. Well, I'm disappointed in you for one main reason here, and that's ageism. We are not ageism guys, Pat. Me and you are like the ultimate, let's ride the old man until he retires, guys. Um,
0: I so, am when they come at really good prices. Yeah, I, this, what, what was it, ADP? He's the 36th
1: starting pitcher. Do
0: you have the overall?
1: I do, one, one, let me one,
0: see if I've got it. I probably, don't I do.
1: I'm guessing like 125 around there.
0: Yeah, I don't have it. Right, I can so, look it up though while you talk.
1: Yeah, let's. Yeah, that's all right. You don't have to. Um, let's just call it. Let's just call it one twenty, which he, he'll be around there if he's what you said. Um, look, look. Bottom line is, the last three seasons he's got a sub three seven five ERA. Um, the K rate per nine has gone up each of the last three seasons progressively. Um, he's been extremely consistent. The 136. 136. Okay. So not far off. I, see, I still think it's a good value. I think he's got, I think he's safe. I mean, look at the guys who are going around him. That, that's what I want. If you could pull that up, I want one of the guys who are going around. Um, sure.
0: He's going in front of Tanaka. He's fine. going,
1: Go Archer's going before him. Yeah.
0: Cole Hamels is going after him. Yep. Uh, Kyle Freeland.
1: Yeah, see, I think uh, there's obviously a big drop-off, though. You would agree with that, right? Like, You definitely want Hap over Freeland, and you definitely want Hap over um, Cole Hamels.
0: No, I don't agree with that. What, Freeland I, I or might, Hamels? I might want Hamels. I think Hamels is probably in the same ballpark. I definitely want Yu Darvish, who's going after him.
1: Yeah, I want Yu Darvish as well. But... I definitely
0: want Rich Hill, who's going after him.
1: I don't know. Um, yeah. So listen, the difference between even the Rich Hill, let's just say, obviously the innings um, last year he did pitch, but Hap is, you know, he's one forty five or more the last five years. He he's been pretty durable. The ERA, like I said, has gotten better. He's got great stuff, and it didn't play. It didn't. It didn't blow up at Yankee Stadium, like you said. The the strain rate, strain rate was really high, and it might have been a bit lucky. But um, I watched him. I would say 80% of his starts last year, because you know what a J.A. Happ fan I was. So when he came to the Yankees, I was obviously tuning into as many Happ starts as I could. And he looks fresh. I I wouldn't hold the age against him that he's 36. I mean, there's plenty of old pitchers like Kluber and Verlander and all these guys that are going in that top echelon of pitchers. I don't know. I, I, I think the ADP is right. I think 136 is actually a pretty good ADP. I think it's safe. Um, because you definitely don't disagree that the K rate's going to drop that that much. Like, he'll still be floating around nine. The ratio is still going to be really good. He's not going to walk guys out of nowhere. Um, The one thing is, if he gives up more home runs in Yankee stadium, okay, the, the, the ERA may go up to just over four, let's just say. It's still not that bad for that ADP. So, like, my point is, if he throws 180 innings and has a nine K per nine and a two and a half walk, with a four ERA and you're getting him at 136, it's I think it's equal value. In my opinion, and I don't know. I still think that there is upside that he could turn in as to what he did last year. I think he could replicate it, which is a two six five ERA with really good ratios.
0: No, it wasn't a two six five ERA for the. I'm sorry, ERA. no 365 yeah. 365. yeah. Okay. All right. Why don't you
1: give us your next one? Okay. Um, let's, let's stick with pitching. You mentioned Chris Archer. I'm going to stick with Chris Archer. Chris Archer is a top, you ready for it? 15, pitcher. 15. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. We're coming in hot tonight, people. We love bold predictions. Because, <laughs> you know, the thing is, we, when we, when we first started doing bold predictions, if you didn't come out and you were bold, you'd get roasted. So yeah. now we have to make sure that we're bold. Or else we hear the other person. Um, but yeah. So Chris Archer, really interesting. I, I, I have to say, I think I spent more time on Chris Archer this offseason than anyone else in baseball. I just keep going back and looking at his stuff, his advanced stuff, everything. And um, to me, this ADP at 134 just screams steal. Uh, he's an interesting guy. And I, I wrote th- I wrote this in our in our chat, in our private chat earlier, that year to year, his BAPF is super, super high. And the FIP and XFIP are always a lot lower than the ERA. And it seems like there's a lot of un- unluckiness that's been in his game. <sighs> okay. So, after having a tough transition from the Rays to the Pirates, when he first got there, he was really bad. He was sick in the month of September, the entire month. 30 innings pitched, he had 36 Ks, a 2.70 ERA, 2.13 average batting average against, and a 1.07 whip. Um, the ratios have always been good. He doesn't walk guys. He strikes out a lot of guys. He's got good command. He does lose it sometimes, and we've spoken about that in the past, where Archer will come out and just look like shit for like three innings in a row and then just absolutely dominate. He just kind of gets lost. He has that Carlos Martinez in him. Um, but he's 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 been doing this for a while, where at the end of the year, it always evens out. He's been really consistent. Um, and when you look at the ERA through the years, he's he, – yeah, last year was – was bad. It was it was the highest it's been since like 2013, but it a lot of it could have been due to the transition. Like you move from AL to NL, um, you know you're, you're not settled into your club. And he had a really 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 bad August. Like when he first got there, the ERA was five seven one in that month. You take away that one month, and he's back around three nine three nine five. So he he always sits just around four ERA. Unluckily. Like there's a lot of bad luck in the, in that four ERA, so I, I think that he has it in him to turn it an absolutely sick year. Pittsburgh's been really good with their pitching. I don't want to say really good. They've been they've been on and off with their pitching. They developed certain guys and certain guys they haven't been able to develop as as good. Um, but now in the NL, uh, he's in a better park. He's he's in the NL. I, I think we're going to see 11 keys per nine with a 3.30 ERA, a 1.15 whip, and a bunch of a bunch of quality starts. I think that he's going to be really, really solid this year. And I love the ADP.
0: Yeah, Archer's finish to the year is very interesting. And one of the reasons why is that there was something of a mixed change that occurred um, in that he's shifted his fastball – Away from the four seamer and onto the two seamer, and the four seam has always been, frankly, a bad pitch. Mm. Um, it's never it's never been a strong pitch for him, and this and the two seamer profiles as a potential plus pitch. And, and, and I believe it's Alex Chamberlain wrote about it. There is an article on Fangrass that's excellent, um, but I think it was Alex Chamberlain. But if I'm, I'm misattributing, I apologize. Um, but the, the the piece is very good because it highlights the fact that all right, Archer's got this pitch that he hasn't thrown for a number of years because um, you know Tampa wants him wanted him to work up in the zone with the fastball, um, and he sort of abandoned the two seamer, and now Pittsburgh is bringing it back, and you pair that potentially with the slider, and. You know, two pitches are better than one, and and that's really been Archer's issue. And and you did mention, you know, like the command. The command is an issue, and that's part of the reason why he gives up a lot of hits and gives up homers and whatnot. But I I do think that there is some potential here for him to get back to, um, you know, a level where he's like a three five three seven five type guy, with a really nice K rate. And if he gets there, you can deal with the fact that like his ERA is somewhat capped. Just by the nature of who Archer is in terms of command, so I mean, if he's three five to three seven five, but he's striking out ten or more per nine, that's going to be a really nice piece.
1: So wait, the two the two seamer became his primary. Yeah. Was there a velocity uh, dip or no?
0: I don't know that there was an appreciable dip,
1: but there was better results with the two seamer. Yes, right, I didn't see that.
0: Yeah. Uh, I would look up the article on Fangraphs. I'm sure if you go to Chris Archer's player page, it would be one of the first ones okay. to come up. Okay,
1: I'll look it up. Um,
0: but it was very interesting stuff.
1: But you're on board with the ADP is, is great on Archer, right? 134?
0: I don't think it's great. I think it's fair. I well, think that's about
1: where I would have him. Well, he's always been kind of like a, what, a, a 65-ish, in the 65-ish range, kind of? Yeah, he's always been like a top 20. He's like, he's like 20.
0: Yeah, so it was always where he was. Sitting. So
1: so why does he deserve to drop 60 picks? Just well, because, because he's been
0: bad. For well, a no, of years. he
1: he really he really hasn't. He like, really has. I mean, on <laughs> I mean, finalized ERA wise, yeah, but you've looked at the numbers and the the ERA should be a little bit lower than what it, what it was.
0: Mm,
1: yes and yes.
0: no? Because this is the th- this is another one of those guys where he's He's earned some of it. He's earned some of his bad luck, um, you know, because of the command and because the fastball hasn't been good.
1: Yeah, but the, did you – like the Babbitt like, being so high against? It's... Yeah,
0: but, I mean, you can't turn around and say that, like, it's, a, it's necessarily a luck issue because those Tampa teams are usually very good defensively. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, if he's got a plus defense behind him, like, why is he having bad luck on balls in play? And what is it
1: that he's just getting hit hard?
0: Well, it's that. Yeah, it's that. It's it's he was he's been in the AL East for his entire career. It's a difficult division to pitch in, and everybody has seen him. That's another factor, and um, it's the fact that like sometimes he doesn't command well. He throws the ball over the plate.
1: Who'd look better, Hammond Morton this year? Give me Charlie. Yeah. Yeah on the on, on in, the, in the in the worst division
0: yeah i still believe that Mort- with the Scott- with the
1: injury risk and i don't know i i like the, the the good thing about the best thing about archer is consistency of the ratios like that's why you're buying him at this price and you're hoping that the era comes down to 4
0: yeah, but that's the problem is you're hoping the ERA comes down to four. Yeah, but with
1: Morton, <laughs> with Morton you're hoping that he pitches 170 innings. Like you're praying that he pitches yeah, 170. Yeah, you
0: see, but that's the difference between that's, – that's a philosophical difference between me and you.
1: Yeah. You want the <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I want the good innings. You want the quality innings. <laughs>
1: okay, fair enough. What do you got next?
0: Okay, I've got Paul DeYoung. So, Interesting. Although the results did not show it, DeYoung continue to, to build on – Continues to build on last year's gains and seizes a significant role in the Cardinals lineup where he will post strong run production numbers along with 30 homers and a 270 batting average reminiscent of Eugenio Suarez's breakout
1: 2018.
0: Whoa. So listen, so last year there's an uptick in the walk rate, a downtick in the K rate. He went down in chase. He went down in swinging strike. So the discipline improvements were supported by the underlying numbers, which is what you want to see. He hit 19 homers in 490 plate appearances, over 115 games played. He was out sometime with an injury. But that's a 25-ish homer pace, and that's in line with his prior season. Homer to fly ball was down six points year over year. Despite an increase in hard contact, I see a path to that ticking back up. His speed score, while not outst- outstanding, does leave the door open for some running in the future. Obviously, that's guesswork, but Cardinals are entering – their first full season under new management, perhaps they're more willing to run, or at least let the guys that can run run. Um, he, on the other side of the equation is we've seen him hit 280 before. He did it in his rookie year, although the bat-ball profile was probably superior this last year. He only hit 241. Um, I see him, true talent, 260, 270 type guy. Um, and again, it, especially when you consider the improving plate discipline. Plate discipline gets better again, takes another step forward there's the potential the average takes another step forward. Um, So you have linear improvements, the power, the sort of under-the-radar type profile. There's a lot of parallels between him and Suarez in my mind. Um, Roster resource, while speculative, has DeJong hitting second. Between Carpenter and Goldschmidt, there are a few places that are better to hit. Um, And he's cheap, 187.91. Hmm.
1: Are you worried about Muno- like the leash is a little short because of Munoz?
0: No, not at all. I think Yaro, I think Yaro Munoz is a bench player.
1: Okay, okay. Um, yeah, listen, I, I like uh, I like the Jung a lot, and he this is one guy that definitely passes the eye test. Didn't he, he came out of the gate last year like crushing, right? If I'm not mistaken.
0: Uh, I believe so, yes. Yeah, I
1: think last year he came out absolutely crushing, and he was just destroying and hitting, like, monster home runs. Uh, He looked really good and then obviously hit a snag and um, started to slow down a bit. But I I like him as well. I like the player. um, When he pulls the ball, he absolutely crushes, and he's versatile. Uh, I I don't know why he only stole, like, one base last year – one base the year before. Like, I see more speed in his in his repertoire, but it's just not playing out so far. I, I don't know what the reason is behind that, but I think he's a guy who could steal, like, close to 10 bags. It's just a matter yep, of if he, could, if he could get on base more. I mean, the OBP hasn't been strong. Maybe that's part of it. Last year it was just 313 if that comes up around. No, you... I
0: just don't think the Cardinals ran much. I mean, yeah. if you think about it, who ran on that team?
1: Well, who's fast on that team? Nobody. Well, <laughs> Nobody. Like, like they have no fast players.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess that's, I guess that's, you know, chicken or the egg. But yeah. I, I do agree with you. I, I do think perhaps now with the managerial change, maybe they let the young run a little bit more.
1: Yeah, um, but I like them. I'm with you. What, what was the ADP on Dijon?
0: Um,
1: one eighty-seven. 187.91. 187.91. See, I'm curious to see – I'll pull it up. I'm curious to see who's going around. I'm going to pull it up right now. Give me two cents. Sure. Just just to see who we would rather do. – all right. So so, DeJong is going one – you said what, what what was his ADP? 187. Okay, at shortstop. Now we have Andrus. So who would you rather have in a vacuum, him or Andrus? DeJong. Him or Eduardo Escobar? DeJong. Him or Ahmed Rosario, DeJong. Wow, him or Tim Anderson.
0: Mm, vacuum.
1: Yep, DeJong. I haven't. This this is an interesting one. Him or Jose Peraza. Peraza. Okay, so that's where it starts. All right. Wow. So you so you have him way higher than Zaytib. You really Yeah, like him.
0: I do. I, I I legitimately think that this could be a major breakout and, and would you
1: rather take the shot on Hampson, or do you would you rather take? Dejan.
0: Dijon. Dijon. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, now, of course, team contacts, you plug in, and I need the steals. I might put some of those guys over him. Yeah. But if, it's, if I'm in a position where I'm able to take best player available, I'm going to – and especially at the price, I'm going to take Dejan.
1: Okay. All right, I'm going to stick with – um with batters and I'm going to bring up a guy that is getting all the love right now. And I think he's going to keep climbing and me and you haven't done many pods this year. We only I think we only did one. We got to talk about Puig a little bit. Um, so I'm not sure where you have him this year. If you love him, if, you, if you're kind of lukewarm, if you're not like an ADP, you're loving the No, ADP. I'm in. Okay. So I have him, another guy. He will finish as a top 10 outfielder. I'm, I'm crazy about him. Um, as far as his batted ball profile,
0: how I- many outfielders are in your top
1: 10? Ten. <laughs>
0: and him and McCutcheon rounded out at
1: nine and ten. Um, but as far as the batted ball profile, his comps are Mitch Hanniger, AJ Pollock, JT Realmuto,
0: All my favorite players. Yonder Alonso.
1: Yeah, like, and Xander Bogarts, who you don't like Xander Bogarts. Maybe you do now. I don't know, but you always say to them. But, yeah, so, like, the, the batted ball profile, the batted ball profile is excellent. And I've always felt like with Puig, there's a lot of upside as far as the power goes. Um, Last year, he paced out full season. You're looking at 30 home runs, 20 steals, 267 average, 30-20. You don't get 30-20s often. Um, It was a shortened season, but paced out, you have 30-22, 67. Um, If you do see a 30-20 this year – I'm sorry, if you do do see a 30-20 – this year, it's usually with a lower average, but Puig also has that upside for like a 280 average. Um, he's in a better park, better lineups. I, I just I think he's going to be insane. I'm projecting 33 home runs, 20 stolen bases, and a 280 average. I have him just having like ridiculous – a ridiculous uh, year this year. Hashtag Puig is your friend. He's going to be insane.
0: It's not Puig is your friend. It's Puig your friend. Puig
1: your friend. Um,
0: and <laughs> yeah, I'm not far off of you. I'm like a, I think I have him twenty eight fifteen, two seventy five. Okay. Um, in the middle of that lineup, which I love, um, playing every day, which he didn't do last year with the Dodgers. Um, yeah, I'm completely on board. I think he's a total stud. Um, so even
1: even with the so, obviously, we loved him, and he was at, like, 112. Now he's at 88. What's what's the um? What's your cap? Like, where are you supposed to be like, eh, now it's too hot? You got
0: to give me players. Um, I, I just – I need to know where
1: he is relative to the other outfielders. All right, here. I'll give you some right now. Hold on. Okay. Outfield. Uh, let's see. All right. So, Tommy Pham.
0: Ooh, I do like Tommy FAM.
1: Yeah, um, I like him too, but, but I'm taking Puig.
0: Give me FAM, give me but it's very really? close. Yeah.
1: So you're taking FAM with less upside and pop, which he definitely has, not as good a lineup. Come on, you're taking Puig in a vacuum. No, Forget because, ADPs. No,
0: no, because the lineup is offset by where he's going to hit.
1: FAM is going to see more volume. Well, why? Because he's going to
0: be leadoff? FAM so is going to hit two or three. And Puig is going to hit five,
1: and but will the RBIs be there for fam? See, I think the runs and RBIs will equal no, the because I
0: think the plate appearances will make up for it.
1: Okay, all right. So you like Fan better? Learns or Kane.
0: Who was that? Kane. Oh, give me, um, give me Puig.
1: George Springer. Ooh. <laughs> I, I got a lot of hate on Springer lately. Yeah, I know
0: you do, but yeah, he's going to hit leadoff. Um, I
1: know, but. He's not that good. Yeah. <laughs> He's just not.
0: Oh, God. It's so tough. Look, uh, look,
1: bottom line is Puig has given you. Give me
0: Springer. Give me Springer. I have to take the astral sleeve off air.
1: No. You're doing like everyone else. That's fine. That's okay. Mm-hmm. David Dahl.
0: Oh, Puig. Puig. Oh, Zuna. Puig. Justin Upton. Give me Puig.
1: Yeah, they they're they're the closest of anyone yeah, on the board. Okay. Um okay. All right. Gonna see they were tough talking. though. They were tough. Yeah, I'm I'm taking I'm just I'm taking Puig over Fam. I'm taking Puig over Kane. I love Dahl. Um but that's it's just why why take the risk on a guy who I mean you're hoping for Dahl to do what Puig does every year. So um
0: yeah, and Dahl has never been able to stay healthy.
1: Yeah, is interesting. He's still the fucking, he's still a mystery box. You, yeah. you, you, you like the ADP, but
0: well, even now, like he's the mystery box because they don't know what the deal is with this injury. He's like hiding in the Dominican Republic. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the older problem.
1: He's a freaking weird guy. He's you know a what, weird guy. He, he's he will forever always be the mystery box. Yeah, but yeah,
0: I, I want I want to like him. I really do and it's just every time I read about him I'm like the Cardinals don't know what's going on he's in the Dominican <laughs> Republic
1: he's just like on a raft wait Mitch, <laughs> Mitch Haniger, at Puig oh Puig yeah definitely Puig okay it, these, these ADPs are wild because Castellanos or Puig Puig well, you're saying it like Puig, but... Yeah, well, I'm pretty confident in those too. Okay. All right. So we're on the high train big time. Yeah. Okay.
0: How many you got left, Nick?
1: I have... Ooh, one.
0: Okay. All right. We're going to do three more.
1: So I'm okay. going to do
0: one. You're going to do one. Then I'm going to do one. Then we're going to wrap because we've got... An hour and twenty on the. We got a two hours. No, on this we're podcast. gonna we're gonna do it
1: equal. You're going we're gonna both do two each. Okay, well I we've have, got we've got, got one. We've got two hour limit on this podcast,
0: so. Oh
1: really? Okay. We're gonna
0: get cut off. We've got fifteen minutes left. All right, go. All right, so, although his innings limit will cut his season short, Matt Strom for the 18th year in a row has a breakout season. <laughs> He's being drafted as a top 40 starting pitcher. <laughs> You have to watch the innings limit. He pitched 75 last uh, year, but was amazing shit. out of the pen. Prior to that, his max was 125. So I think the best you can get is about 130 or 140 in terms of <laughs> innings pitch. I, I obviously, I think he's going to stay in the rotation. The projection systems, for whatever it's worth, I think he's going to stay in the pen, which is wonderful for you and I because it keeps his cost low. Uh, you know, to look at the Padres' rotation. Their projected rotation on roster resource. Maybe, maybe Joey Lucchese is a better option. But Strom, the other guys, Robbie Erlin, Brian Mitchell, who has Chatwood level control, Eric Lauer, who's hosting the Today Show. (laughs) (laughs) No, Strom is better than all of them. Yeah, he is. Padres have, have instructed Strom to get prepared as a starter. The market has not caught on. He's going at four hundred and sixty-five point one five. He is three dollars. So even if the season is cut short, you're getting all profit from it. And even if he doesn't go into the rotation, he's still a good middle middle reliever. He has a starter's arsenal: fastball, slider, curve, change. All three secondary offerings were thrown equally last year, and all three were plus pitches. He could lose a tick or more. He's throwing upper ninety-three. So if he goes down to ninety-two or upper 91 from the left-hand side, with that sort of starter's arsenal, he'll be fine. He's a fly ball pitcher, but he's in the ballpark that you want him to be in for that, in Petco. And in the division that you want him to be in, Arizona played down last year. It's neutral. Chavez Ravine, uh, Oracle, or AT&T Park, whatever they're calling it now. It's The only eyesore there is Coors, and you know when to avoid it. I see the stuff for a strikeout per inning, a walk rate that's a hair over three. I've always him to peak Gio Gonzalez in my mind in terms of walks and strikeouts. The fly ball profile is going to be different. Obviously, Gio was a ground ball pitcher. Um, He's going to keep but the fly ball profile, keep the whip down. Homers are going to happen. But as I said, he's in the division for it. He's my absolute favorite for last pitcher at the end of your draft. Love him.
1: Yeah, I'm completely with you. The stuff is ridiculous. The slider is insane. And the first thing I thought um, Strom this year when I was going through my ADPs was <clears throat> the problem with him trying to crack the rotation is how weak the pen is. But the pen is actually pretty good. Um, that was the one whole drawback that I had with him. But they have Yates now. And they have us Stammen. And they have, some, they have Castillo. They have some good guys in that pen where they're not going to rush to throw him in there because it's struggling. So, he's, he's definitely intriguing. He has a lot of upside. And even if he does go to the pen, he's still going to be good out of the pen. He's going to give you quality innings. like it.
0: Okay, give us your next one.
1: Next one. All right. My guy, who I love since birth, he did it last year. Mike fulton is a top 10 starting pitcher. 10. That's right. Um, wow. Filthy. He's filthy faulty. The reason why I liked him going into last year obvious reasons the eye test you watch him pitch he's got absolute heat um he's got a nice pitch pitch a big pitch mix um he's got to improve his secondary stuff but he did that last year i'd like to see him excel even more i think he will um the velo was up last year he averaged that at 96 and a half on the fastball um the changeup is progressing into a great pitch um the control is progressing He's inducing more ground balls. He's giving up way less home runs in, in, a, in a pretty bad ball. All signs point to him getting even better next year. I, I love the player. I love the stuff. And I think he's going to be awesome. And the ADP is really nice.
0: My issue with Faulty is, is I worry about the fact that the swing strike rate isn't great. Um, and we've seen this with pitchers yep. in recent years. Um. You know, specifically, I'm thinking of Luke Weaver, where the swinging strike rate didn't support the strikeout rate, and then the next year, he collapsed. Um, I don't think Faulty's going to collapse. I just, I, 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 he's got, he's had homer problems in the past. Although the fastball is premium velocity, like I talked about with James, I think it's a little bit hittable. Um, so I, I think he's going to regress to like a three. Six three seven type level in terms of ERA, um, and I don't see a path to him ending up as a top ten starting pitcher. So I'm just going to disagree with you right there, Nick. But um, the team should be good, so the wins should be there. Um, and he was excellent last year, and I and I do think that if people are projecting him for to fall completely apart, I think they're off base. But I, I do expect some regression there. Okay, my next one. This is a guy I know we both like. Travis Shaw keeps his strikeout rate and walk gains. The batting average and stolen base ability both return, and he puts together a career year, 30 homers, 10 steals, 275 batting average, and runs plus RBIs in excess of 210. Whoa. The sneaky eligibility is nice. He's added second base, and in Yahoo, he also has first. He's the presumed lefty cleanup hitter for this lineup which is one of the best in baseball in a park that's notoriously friendly for lefty power. Shaw also made significant strides in plate discipline with the surging walk rate up 3.5% and a collapsing strikeout rate down 4.4%. 30 plus bombs for the second consecutive season. Capable as a base runner, five steals last year, 15 over the two years in Milwaukee on 17 attempts. He's a savvy base runner. He's not very fast. Milwaukee likes to run. He's efficient when he runs. I think you can count on him for somewhere between 5 to 10 steals. The only negative on Shaw last year was the batting average at 241. That can be traced almost entirely to his BABIP at 242, which is 40 points below his career average and the lowest mark of his major league career by over 50. There's been some fluctuation between fly balls and grounders in his career, but with 39% hard contact rate and a pretty substantial track record in terms of the BABIP. It's tough to believe that I think that Shaw will maintain a Babbitt in the 240 level. So you've got good power, good situation, plus strikeout gains, plus walk gains, and Babbitt progression to the positive side. So it's a really nice piece, especially when you consider the eligibility. I like him a lot at a price just inside the top 100 at 96.1.
1: Yeah, I, I think we're the two big uh, Shaw guys. We're going we're gonna to fight over him on draft day. Um, I think you might win based on my my mocks that I've been doing lately, but I'm going to be really sad because Shaw's a guy that I've always wanted to own. Um, I think we saw the power coming the year before last, um, once he got to Milwaukee. <clears throat> uh, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, and your your projection is not even like that far-fetched at all. Like, he's hit 30-plus home runs the last two seasons. He's stolen 10 bases and then 5, so Let's just say he goes right in the middle and goes seven. So he's 37. And the average, let's just say, is two in the middle as well. So that's two six two fifty-five. Uh but I, I agree with you. Like he's more of a two sixty five-ish hitter, in my opinion. So like I have him I have him projected for 34 home runs. I have him for a little bit more pot. So I have him for 34 home runs, eight steals, and a two sixty-five average. Um, you got to love the walk rate going up to 13.3%. That is phenomenal. He's making real gains. I think the OBP is going to go from 345 to like 350 plus. Um, so yeah, I'm all over short sure as well. I completely agree. Um, okay. I'll do my last one because we have, well, we have eight minutes. All right. We can really move this out now. Okay. So honorable, let's, let's do honorable mentions before I get to my last guy. Really quick, Robbie Ray, big bounce back year this year. Go out and buy him. Do you agree or disagree?
0: Um, I think he's fine where he's going. I don't think that I'm trying to chase him. So okay, disagree. I th- fine. I get an honorable mention too. You Darvish returns to the land of top twenty starting pitchers. He's going at like forty something.
1: I completely it's agree. Ridiculous. Completely agree. I love him as well. Madison Bumgarner, good value or bare value in your opinion? Uh he's going where he should. He's he's like the guy this year. He's he's going to go really high in some drafts, um, or he's going to be there in like round eight, seven, eight, and your fucking head is going to explode. And you're like, how do I not take Madison Bumgarner here? Um, so I, I I like the ADP on Bumgarner. Um, Aaron Hicks, we spoke about him already. I'm not going to go over him. All right, Luis Castillo. You like the ADP, or do you not like the ADP?
0: I do not like the ADP.
1: So you think he's going to get be even worse than last year?
0: No, I think that if he's if he's the same thing as last year, he could, he could improve over last year and not be worth what he's being what he's being drafted at. All
1: right, so I think I think Castillo's going to be way better than last year. Um, Will Smith, the reliever on uh, the closer on the, the Giants. Your thoughts? Very
0: quality reliever. I worry about the job security.
1: Okay. So I, I have him as an elite reliever. That was going to be one of my book Dexter's tonight that he would be um, a top five. Uh, all close. right. Let's
0: do, let's do your last official one. Cause no. we're coming up on
1: five minutes now. Yeah. Well, all right. My, my, listen, my last one is Nate, that Nate Karnes is and that he's going to be great. Like that's literally what I wrote. Just Karnes. It says <laughs> Karnes is big writing. Let's keep going through this list. Just, okay. just don't worry. All right. Um, all right, so I had Darvish on here. I had Outdoor. We talked about him, McCutcheon. All right, definitely a good guy to talk about, Harrison Bader. What are your thoughts?
0: Um, quality glove in center field, going to play every day. Uh, power, speed. He's got good hard contact rate. I worry a little bit about the K rate. I don't know where he's going to hit in that lineup. If he's towards the top, I'm interested. If he's not, then um, pass him.
1: Give me a three stat projection, home run, stolen base, average.
0: I think I've got him like 15, 19 in speed, in power and speed, and I think I've got him hitting like 265.
1: All right, so I have just I have Bader at 16 home runs, 34 steals, and 260. So So yeah, you're, yeah,
0: you're buying you're buying the sprint speed.
1: Oh, well, the sp- yeah, the sprint speed's insane.
0: Yeah, he's incredibly
1: um, fast. Andrew Haney, do you like the ADP? Yes. I like him as well. Um, Jose Quintana, bounce back or not?
0: Uh, slight bounce back. I think I he's a value where he's going. I don't think he's going to return to the line of the top 20 starting pitcher. Agreed.
1: Either. To me, he's your perfect um, starter to end, to round out your rotation. Um, an innings eater.
0: Okay, I've got, I've got one that, that I had in reserve as well. Go. Ryan Zimmerman. Uh, 25 bombs, 290. A year off of a top 50 season. He's going after pick 300 this year. If he plays, value the yes. risk doesn't. The risk is all baked into the price.
1: If he plays, he's good. Bottom yep. line. All right, another guy, Miggy. Thoughts?
0: I'd rather wait 170 picks and take Ryan Zimmerman, who's equal risk and probably a better bet for production at this point.
1: So. But thoughts on Miggy on the year. Do you like him or you're kind of like
0: he's going to just get hurt? I still think he's a little too expensive.
1: Okay. I kind of like him because regardless, even injured last year, he still hit 300. So I like him just for that reason alone. Um, Senzel, instant success in the majors, yes or no? Uh,
0: Yeah, but I don't think it comes until July because I don't see where he plays.
1: Okay. Trevor Williams. Terrible. Terrible. I love him. Brendan Rodgers. What are they going to do with him? Does he find playing time? There's no way played... for him to play. I know, but what do you? He's he's their his top... only
0: pa- his only path is Hampson. Fa- oh, he's got two paths. Hampson fails, and they decide to call him up. Or trade. Yeah, Arenado is traded, and they shift Story to third, and Rogers comes up
1: and plays short. Okay. Um, Honeywell. Does he uh, come back and light it up second half?
0: Um, I think he's up sometime in August, but I wouldn't put it past Tampa to keep him down for the whole year.
1: All right, last one before we end it. One of my favorite prospects. I'm curious to see what you think about him. Does he come up and play significantly this year, Bo Bichette?
0: No. I think he's a cup of coffee guy. Okay. And I think all you have to do is look at what they did with Vlad last year. Yeah, but
1: Vlad was injured for a little bit last yeah, year. Yeah, he was injured for like three weeks. <laughs> I, I listen. <look, laughs> Though the, the thing with Bashan is mean, he, what
0: makes me laugh because people were like, "Oh, he's going to come up. He's going to come up. He's going to come up." And then he got hurt, and like there was ne- he never like was sniffing the majors from that point on. Yeah, but and everybody Bichette- was just like, "Oh, he was hurt." No, he wasn't hurt. He missed like three weeks. He came back. He continued to rake, and Toronto was like, "No." We're not gonna do that. We're not interested.
1: Yeah, I guess. They were pretty strict on him, but I don't know. Bichette like played an an absolute full season in double A last year. Like there's no reason to make him play a full season in triple A this year. Like
0: yeah, is service time. Money. N-
1: nah, you bring him up. This is it's going be a really good offense with Bichette and Vlad. Again, money, like money, 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 money,
0: money, money.
1: But you do love Bichette. You love him as much as I do? Because I'm crazy about him. Yeah,
0: I do like him. All right, we've got a minute left, so it's time for you to sign off. Okay. Uh, guys, thanks so much for listening. We will be back next week.
1: Um, he will be back next week. I
0: will be back next week. I think <laughs> Joe is joining me for part one of Outfield. Uh, Nick, let them know where they can find you.
1: You can find me at the real Nick TheRealNickLigs. It's a new Twitter handle because, Pat, uh, I'm an outlaw now. L-I-G. <laughs> <laughs> I got sucked into the Twitterverse. I'm a scumbag. I'm a scumbag, plain and simple. Um, the real Nick Liggs with a Z, follow me. You'll be uh, you'll be really shocked and appalled by some of my tweets.
0: Yeah, you couldn't we, we couldn't threaten the FWO brand <laughs> with Nick's outrageousness. <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter at Patrick FWO. Again, thanks so much for listening and uh, we will be back next week. Bye. Peace.